babysit. Now, boys, I swear, if you give me any grief over the next 60 minutes, I swear to God, I'll kill you. Dead, murdered, stabbed. Raped? I am too old for this crap. Did you forget your purse? Oh. You little asshole. She's great. Hey, wait, I got some money. Oh, what, 50 cents? I don't have any money. You're a kid, for Christ's sake. Lords of hell. Yeah. Don't with the babysitter. Welcome to Soup Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Welcome back to another new episode of the STL. Feels like the old days, man, where I'm busting episodes out left and right. And what better way than to redo an episode I've been dying to do for a very, very long time. And that's episode one, Adventures in Babysitting. I've gone on and on and on about how much I dislike that episode. But, I mean, obviously, it's your first episode there's issues with it but now that I've been doing this for so long past seven years it's time to redo it and I thought man there's no better way of doing it than to bring it on the guy who is one of STL's biggest fans and has helped me redo prior episodes that I didn't dig I don't even know what to call this this what we're doing or series or whatever but time traveling Peter uh, how are you sir Doing good, doing good. Uh, happy to be here. What's up, Nation? And uh, you know what? Maybe we call this, um, you know, remaking STL. I don't know. Maybe not even that. Or rebooting uh, or remaking some episodes. Uh, STL remakes, uh, remake edition. How about that? I know, right? I mean, I was like, do I call this STL or do I call this Adventures in Babysitting the Don't F with the Babysitter edition or what? Because you and I uh, seem to have this thing where... I don't know how it started, but we redo prior episodes on all the ones that I hated or something like that. And it just kind of worked out because this is the one episode I've always wanted to redo was Adventures of Babysitting. And you and I, we did Heavenly Kid together. We did Back to the Future because Back to the Future is what started mm-hmm. it, where I was like, man, I really want to do Back to the Future over again. You're the biggest Back to the Future fan in the world. Let's do it. And that was so successful. And then we did we did an auto commentary track for that, which was fantastic. And then we need to get back together and do part two. 
And then uh, we did the Heavenly Kid on your show. It was like your show, was it just starting off? Yeah, it was like a brand new, I, I, I want to say episode nine. I'm not exactly sure, but it was early on for sure. I had so much fun in that episode. Oh yeah, it was it great. Was, I, I got to do so much justice to the review I didn't get to do for episode two on STL. And then uh, we were going to do Cobra Kai together uh, because I'm just like, I want to talk about it so much. But I just recorded with Jameson and I'm like, okay, so how do we do our episode different? And, you know, you're like, you know what? I'm going to be doing that myself. I'm going to be doing one episode, you know, reviewing each episode. I don't want to sound redundant. And I'm like, you want to do something that you might want to redo? I'm like, I've always wanted to redo episode one. So, and you were the perfect person to do it because, you know, we call you Time Traveling Peter because you went back and started from the very beginning to catch up. You didn't do what most people do where they listen to the current episodes and go back. You were like, no, I'm starting at the beginning and then work my way up. Isn't that how it went? That's how it went. You know, everyone's, everyone else is just doing it wrong. You know, you uh, <laughs> you become a fan of somebody, you got to go back and, and see where they started and hear them mature as podcasters. And, you know, I, I, I think that's how uh, you and I became more personable and uh, ultimately friends. Um, I think, yeah, that's just a way to do it. Uh, otherwise, they're just, uh, you know, regular listeners. I think the STL Nation are really a group of people who are, um, you know, big f- uh, fans of you and personal friends. Yeah, and that's what I like to say. It's all about quality, not quantity, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we get into your adventures in podcasting, why don't we go ahead and get into some news? Sounds great. of your podcasting so uh just did the cobra kai episode super fun but you sir uh this is your first time on the show since chapter two i like to say because you know obviously i retired and then there was such a huge outcry to come back and everything worked out great with tabby so it was like okay let's redo the show again and tabby became co-host when jameson wasn't around i kind of stole your idea because uh, that's how you started off was with your son and then he went MIA and you started grabbing other people. But now you're, you got a whole podcasting network now. Ridiculous. It's your first time back on since chapter two. So why don't you tell the folks how you have 
how things have changed since chapter one and then what you're currently doing with Cobra Kai. Okay. Um, well, again, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, any chance I get to chop it up with, uh, you know, the guy who got me started on podcasting, it's always a good time. Um, well, during chapter one, I, I believe all I did was hydrate level four at the time. Uh, you know, a line just taken from um, Back to the Future 2, just an obscure throwaway line. And it was always kind of nice when people, you know, chime in and like, oh, hey, I, I get that reference. That's that hydrator, right, from uh, Back to the Future. And um, yeah, from then on, as you mentioned, Phoenix, uh, he got older and more uh, active in school activities. So I kind of rebranded, um, you know, retitled it Podstalgic, you know, just to, a play on word of nostalgia. And I have different guests come on and we take a trip back and, you know, kind of relive these movies and talk about some of the memories that we had when, when we watched these movies. Um, I'm actually part of a, a podcast network. I don't have my own, but, you know, I do host a, a few other shows, uh, another movie show where we focus on an original and remake. You know, you and I talked a little bit about the Overboard remake and, you know, that's an episode yeah. that's coming up soon. Uh, and I'm one of the rotating hosts of uh, of a music podcast called Music Ate My Brain, and also the TV podcast TV Ate My Brain, and that's where we'll be covering Cobra uh, Cobra Kai. So I've done a, a few TV shows on there. Um, you know, the last one was the Unsolved, the investigation of uh, the murders of Tupac and Biggie. So basically, you know, if you have a show that you want to cover, you just you know go to our boss basically and like, hey, I want to cover this and. And that's how I was able to do Cobra Kai. But I, I think, you know, uh, it, maybe those, maybe not everybody felt this way, but um, when I watched it, I binged it the same night it came out. I was like, there is so much to unpack in these 30-minute episodes. Uh, and originally, uh, Tom and I, we were going to do what you and Jameson did, but every 30 minutes, you're just like, oh my God, there's just so much in here. How do you talk about this in a general sense? And, and not mention some of the little details that were so great. Um, yep. Is this show, I haven't seen a writing so intricate since Breaking Bad. Um, like, I don't think that's a show you watched, but that show is, is known for its, uh, its writing, you know, its callbacks and foreshadowing. It's just very tight. And there's very little things. And, um, you know, just for example, uh, in a rewatch of episode, this isn't spoiler, uh, just if anyone was wondering, of Cobra Kai. Uh, but in episode nine, um, you know, I think it was your favorite episode you mentioned. Yes, yeah. that is correct. So there's a scene where um, Amanda, the mother, and Samantha were uh, in the dining room, and they were both kind of, you know, doing their own work. I noticed that both of them are left-handed. You know, just a minute detail. Both actresses could have been left-handed. Maybe, maybe the mom, maybe the actress is left-handed, and then they said, "Hey, let's make the daughter left-handed too." I don't know. But that's just little things like that that we talk about on our coverages. So that's why we decided to do each episode individually, just to give people those little details. Yeah, that's why I'm loving it, man. Uh, your boy Tom, I enjoyed so much on the Nightmare on Elm Street review. Uh, now when he starts ripping on the 80s, I get a little <laughs> upset with the guy. Hey, not everyone but can be right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But it's, uh, it's a super fun show. I am enjoying it. Uh, it's definitely the Masuna stamp of approval. And uh, I really hope everybody checks it out. I know Jameson is loving it. Uh, I'm getting you know great feedback on it. So it's super cool. And it's fun to kind of text you while you're working and be like, hey, did you catch this part? Or this is what happened. Right. Because I remember, I remember you saying, well, 
uh, I don't remember what happened to the car. Uh, and then later, you remember what happened, but you missed it on the audio. And that's what happens when you record podcasts is you forget to say stuff. And then it comes back and haunts you when you're editing. Like, oh, I should have said that. You know? Oh, yeah. The, and, you know, it didn't help that the fact that we... Um, so we recorded the first episode, I think, either the day after or the day after, uh, or maybe two days after its actual premiere. Um, but then the following Saturday, I think it was, we did... Um, seven seven straight no six straight recordings six straight recordings and so when you're binge recording like that there's you know little details that you're gonna forget for sure so we're definitely gonna take our time uh with uh our last two episodes nine and ten so we just need to schedule those and when our schedule opens up we'll uh, definitely do it but um yeah tom tom uh is co-hosting cobra kai with me because he did you know, the Karate Kid res- retrospectives uh, with me last year, which you know because you, you checked it out. Yeah, I did. I wanted to write in so bad for that, but unfortunately, you had recorded by the time like I found out about it. And you're like, oh, dude, I already recorded episode two and three. Sorry, man. And it was like, it was too bad, but it was super fun going back and hearing it because, I mean, obviously, you're not the diehard fan that I am. You're the, that's the Back to the Future for you. Mm-hmm. But it was always fun hearing your perspective on things and coming at it from different angles. That was what was always, you know, I obviously agree with you more than I ever did Tom. But Tom <laughs> always had some uh, interesting views yeah. that made me, you know, I'm like, I like this guy. He's cool, even though I disagree with him way more than I do you, of course. So. And that's, you know, that's what we love about podcasting, right? You want to carry on the conversation even after the the episode that you listen to. And that's, uh, that's something that Tom enjoys about my show as well. He says that I often, you know, kind of talk about things that you, you may not hear about on other shows. And it makes right. you want to kind of chime in. Uh, but actually, I don't know if you remember, but you, you did submit some feedback. It just, it wasn't on the episodes that you wanted it to be on. But we still, yeah, we were still able to get those in. Uh, and just a little shameless plug, you know, I got to interview somebody <laughs> in the third movie. Uh, one, yes, one, you did. Yeah, one of the Cobra Kai's, uh, Dennis, who had like one line. But hey. You know, he got to um, give us some uh, some pretty cool insight of uh, the third movie. Well, actually, my favorite one is the guy who got his nose punched from Real Genius. Oh, that's right. That was my favorite. That was my favorite interview. Hearing how sick he was and how awesome uh, Ralph Macchio was. That was my favorite interview. Yeah, that, that um, ever done. That was a standalone interview. If anyone's interested, but if you check out that episode, I did insert like the little snippet of um, him talking about Karate Kid Three. Yeah. Yeah. Now see. I get one interview and you get like 50, so... <laughs> uh, 45. Don't, don't be too modest now. <laughs> don't be too yeah. modest. Great. I, um, I'm actually, uh, after we spoke earlier today, you are like, oh, who, who you got lined up? And, and I kind of told you. Um, I got a like from somebody else afterwards and I am crossing my fingers that that's going to work out uh, because he, that's a clue there, he actually uh, tweeted back to me and gave me his, uh, his PR Twitter account and so I emailed the PR and I'm hoping this is um th- this is going to be good, and hopefully I get approved to get an interview because that's going to be a really big get uh, as well. And that's that's somebody from Cobra Kai. Okay, so since we're podcast brothers, and you know you've stolen from me, and I've stolen from you because that's you know that's what we that's, do. That's how you do it. Exactly. So how do I steal from you and get interviews to start doing on STL? I, I need to know the secrets here. Well, what's your secret? Sorry. I, th- there is no secret, uh, Mike. There, uh, I'm just doing what everybody else does. You just ask. Really? That's it? You just ask. And, and I'll tell you what. 
uh, I feel like I get one in every 15 to 20 uh, asks. Okay. You know, so I I uh, I get shot down more than I actually get approved. So it's uh, I'll be honest, it's a lot of work. You know, I do a lot of tweeting and um, I even go onto their Instagrams. It just um, uh, Gabriel Jarrett, the guy that you spoke of, that was in Real Genius and uh, Karate Kid Three. I hit him up yeah. on his Facebook. Okay. You know, uh, you just you know people might be like, oh, that's a little overboard. Hey, do you want the interview or not? You know, um, he actually, I think it took him about two months to actually get back to me, but he didn't see that I messaged him. Uh, and he said yes, you know, so it's as simple as that. Uh, Jeffrey Weissman, you know, who played George McFly 2.0, I just... Yeah, that was fun. I just tweeted him, and, and he said yes, and he just wanted to know more about my show before coming on, you know, and that that was probably one of my uh, big ones. Uh, Diane Franklin on uh, Better Off Dead, she was probably my first big one and i was super nervous you know and she told me i did a good job after the recording and uh and she came back on again to do better off dead but um you just you just shoot your shot that's the expression right you the, what, yeah. what's the worst that could happen they say no yeah they say, no I, yeah. I hear you yeah so just keep on asking just keep shooting the rock some tweets um <laughs> maybe ralph macchio too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no you know what's funny Having The Rock like my Facebook post, I was like, okay, I can die now. It's all good. I mean, that was amazing when that happened. And I mean, I took screenshots. I posted all over Facebook. Everybody was like, oh, I can't believe it. I'm like, I know, right? Dwayne Johnson liked my post. I mean, so cool. Yeah, yeah. just just hit them up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You know, there, um, let me see. There was another guy, uh, Sister Act 2, Amal. Right, the guy who sings yeah. Oh Happy Day. I hit him up yep. on Instagram and I said, Hey, do you want to come on the show, talk about your music and Sister Act 2? And he said, Sure. And we actually recorded that same evening. <laughs> so you just never know. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on all your success. I appreciate Very it. Proud of you. I appreciate it, man. So. Uh, you know, maybe I, I can no longer be the, the bastard child. I'll, I'll just be that kid out of wedlock, <laughs> you know? So I'll, I'm upgrading here. Um, one last thing, and, and we'll move on, but uh, yeah. you should really look in your area, um, you know, because we have uh, what's called Rose City Comic Con. It's a local thing here. And um, they announced that Ralph Macchio and uh, Billy Zapka will be in Portland in September. Okay. And I plan on going, so you should look in your area to see if they're coming. Yeah. Uh, the only problem is is money. Those things aren't cheap. That's the only thing I'm worried M- about. M- money's not it? cheap, but you know, as as uh, Johnny Lauren says, money. You know, that's uh, you know, you you do things with it, right? That's what <laughs> that's what money's <laughs> used for. <laughs> I love that line. So good. <laughs> so good. Uh, but yeah, Cobra Kai two, uh, Cobra Kai season two announced and. I predicted that it would be today, and in fact, it was yesterday, so I did pretty good in my prediction. Pretty close. In fact, everybody's like, you should play the lotto. I was like, nah. I just, I don't know. I just had that feeling like this show is so successful, 100 rot, uh, you know, RT score, 100%, all this amazing feedback. I'm like, this show is going to get renewed by next week, easily. And I just picked Friday, and it happened to be Thursday. So that was amazing news to see that it got uh you know, renewed for season two, man. And uh, the fact that the story guys, the, the the writers of the show already have season two and three planned out is what makes me so excited. That's that's pretty awesome. I mean, they'd be um, dumb to not greenlight it. I'm talking about YouTube. But uh, yeah, when I binged it, I was just, uh, I tweeted at the Cobra Kai account and I was all like, hey, yeah, so where's the rest of it? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I wasn't even waiting for season two. I just wanted the rest of season one. So 
Yep. Good times. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, that's it for news. Why don't we go ahead and get into our review of Adventures and Babysitting? Let's do it. Meet Chris Parker. Getting ready for the greatest night of her life. Hi. I got to cancel. Now she's stuck babysitting the Anderson kids. Sarah. Mom got Chris to babysit for me. Chris? Her brother Brad. Oh my. His best friend Daryl. Who is this kid? Stray dog. Take good care of my baby. I'll guard her with my life. What could possibly go wrong? Chris, I'm in trouble. Hang up and sit down. I'll be there in half an hour. This is the night when things go from bad to worse. Big city, scum sucker. Too ridiculous. Wanna go to bed? Hey, I like that. You should try babysitting. And this is only the beginning. The friend is dead. Chris can handle it. Sarah's probably hanging from the rafters by now. Sarah, hold on! I'm still in control here. (laughs) (laughs) You could say they were having a bad night. Any problems? No, not really. If they weren't having such a good time. Adventures in babysitting. Think your parents will ever ask me to babysit again? they do, I'd ask them for a buck more an hour.
All right, sir. So I guess it's kind of full circle in a way because I love Elizabeth Shue. You love Elizabeth Shue only in this movie and The Karate Kid because she doesn't exist in Back to the Future as you and I have yet to debate in part two. That's what I can't wait to talk about. Uh, but this is the movie you associate her with, right? This and uh, Karate Kid. That's right. Correct? Yep. Ellie with an I and also Chris Parker, which by the way, do you think she has any relation to Jennifer Parker? <laughs> hmm. Mm. That is that's a good question. I mean, I've never been asked that and, before. And she's also sisters with uh Marty's aunt. <laughs> Am I wrong? Boy. <laughs> <laughs> You've been thinking hard about this, haven't you? Just a little bit. I've been pretty excited to come on to talk about some adventures. So, you know, I was uh I was rewatching it, you know, just all like, that's right, she was in Back to the Future. <gasps> so was uh Elizabeth Shue, Chris Parker. Jennifer Parker, so yeah. Well, before we get into this amazing movie and redo episode one, because, you know, I actually listen to some podcasts that actually redo their first episode when they get later on into, you know, multiple years because they hate the way that it went down, you know, because clearly when your first episode, you don't really know what your vision is and where you're going to go and stuff. So this isn't the first time that um, I've you know, heard somebody redoing their episode. And this movie I just picked because I loved it so much when I first started. But I was always like, oh man, that review was just terrible. I, you know, because I spent like a half hour just explaining the show and all that other stuff. I didn't really get to into the movie. So it's nice to be able to get in depth on this one. But I never watched the remake. But I know you did for your show. So real quick, why don't you talk about how much you disliked the uh, remake? Um, actually, I, I uh, we haven't done an episode on Avengers and Babysitting. Uh, I did see The Sitter with Jonah Hill, which is... Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that's a lo- um, loosely based on it. I think that was originally supposed to have raven Simone in it. Uh, that was okay. You know, I think it's what you'd expect. I, it, it wasn't good enough to, like, re-watch. Uh, Sam Rockwell, I remember, was amazing in it. And then Disney, they actually... Uh, I think they did a remake, like a TV remake as well. Yeah. Instead of, like, mm-hmm. singing the blues, they had the kids go on stage. And I think they did some freestyling or battle rapping. I don't remember exactly, but uh, I saw that immediately turned it off. Um, Good, yeah. So I I wouldn't mind like a more faithful remake, uh, but the sitter wasn't it. You know, it the, the sitter took what we kind of liked and you know made it rated R. That that's really what that was. I I kind of liked um, the remake of Overboard. You know, it's not great. They right. hit all the uh, the same beats as the original movie, but it is definitely no uh, – the, the chemistry isn't quite – it actually is nowhere close to Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, um, first and foremost. But I can see like a younger audience watching it and actually enjoying it. And I'll be honest, you know, there's a scene uh, that they ripped right out of the remake or the original and uh, might have had me uh, sniffling a little bit. little really? little sad. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, to well, tell you what it was. Yeah, it, go ahead. It's when um, the because uh, they reversed uh, the genders, right? So right. the the dad he remembers who he is, and then he leaves, and then the three little girls run after him. Ah, oh, tugs at your heartstrings. Same thing. So if you have kids, I I would imagine you know you can be like, oh man, I can never imagine leaving my kids like that. You know, right. So that scene, it still hit me, even though I was like, yeah, this couple, not as good as the original, obviously. But 
right. just the idea of like this, that the three girls were starting to love this guy, you know, as uh, as their father. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm not your father. And he leaves and for them to chase after the car, heartbreaking, very heartbreaking. Yeah, I I really enjoy that movie, and that scene does get me too. So I could definitely see why that one would. I'll have to check that out. Um, but in regards to remake, I definitely think that this is a movie that you really can't remake. You know, there's some 80s movies you could, but this one I think is definitely a product of its time because there's so much stuff that happens that technology would kill in the in a movie like this that the movie's over, like Home Alone, you know, like that meme that goes around on Facebook. Mom, you know, you left me, and then on the cell phone, it's like, okay, we'll be right back, and this is movie over. You know what I mean? It. I feel like there's certain scenes in this movie that could easily be taken out with technology in the movie's over oh yeah so you um you know you gotta make it like other movies where it's a period movie make it still take place in the 80s yeah exactly that's the only way to get around it but um you know but but you're right it it, they would have to kind of freshen up the the dialogue there's definitely some uh questionable you know lines in there and and some of the things that happen in the movie as well it you're, you're right it is a product of his time well what i do enjoy is that the movie is directed by chris columbus who did Gremlins, which, you know, Gremlins is my favorite Christmas movie of all time because I'm demented. But <laughs> I, I I really dig his various things that he threw in this movie, like a gizmo backpack. You know, I thought that that was amazing. Um, another thing is the movie's produced by Deborah Hill. Now, um, you probably won't really know who that is, but if you love John Carpenter's Halloween like I do, Deborah Hill and John Carpenter are the are the masterminds behind that movie. Okay, she wrote all the dialogue for the females in the movie, while John Carpenter did all of Donald Pleasant's lines. And so it was a big collaboration and they were actually dating at the time. But Deborah Hill produced this movie, which is why there's a Halloween scene, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit, uh, kind of to throw in her, you know, I guess wink and nod to people. So um, this movie has Keith Guggen, which I really enjoy. Uh, one of the things I really enjoy him in is Hiding Out, which I did an episode on, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, what is your... Uh, do you got any good memories on Keith Coogan? Uh, of course, there's what Don't Tell Mom Babysitter's Dead, this one, and then Hiding Out. What do you think about uh, Mr. Coogan? Uh, well, I honestly, I really only know him from these two movies. Uh, there's one that um, I was just recently uh, looking at his filmography, and there's actually a movie I want to check out that I've never seen before. He's also in it. Uh, Sean Astin's also in it. It's called Toy Soldiers. You ever seen that one? I know exactly what you're talking about, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, the reason I was looking up his uh, filmography, because both him and I are following each other on Twitter. Uh, and so maybe you can shoot your shot and perhaps you'll be more successful than me. But <laughs> uh, but I did message him on Twitter and, you know, just kind of do what I usually do. And I saw that he looked at it and he didn't reply. So a little bit hurt about that. Maybe I'll follow up, <laughs> you know, with another question. But that's just an example, right? I, I followed him. He followed me back, and then then I messaged him immediately. But um, I saw that uh in his filmography, saw who's in it, and I was like, you know, what? that might be worth a check out. So, uh, but yeah, these two movies, I associated him more with this one just because this is the one I saw uh more growing up. 
Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, you know, right off the bat, the movie is pretty iconic with the, uh, you know, the song that starts off, which is, uh, and then he kissed me. I had no idea that that was like from the fifties. Oh no yeah, no idea. I thought it was. I thought it was from the eighties. Little, a little it timeless. Was, yeah, it wasn't until like I think I went to a thrift shop one day when I was in Chicago and I heard it on the radio and it was the oldie station. I was like, wait, that song is from the 60s? I had no idea. And then I looked it up and you go on iTunes and you'll see the the cover art and it's really old school. It looks like an Elvis artwork almost. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, I love that song. I listened to like all the different covers on it. Um, there's a YouTube clip. Uh, it, it, it actually went viral too. It's some sort of music class and uh i think the teacher was actually filming his students performing it and that version is actually pretty great too so i definitely um uh recommend people go check that out if you're a fan of the song yeah but this morning routine it, yeah this you gotta tell people about this yeah. this is funny you, you don't do this yourself this uh singing in the bedroom uh, i feel that's how everyone yes. gets up and uh, starts their day <laughs> i i did a long time ago but not anymore did you change the words or did you sing it the same uh, <laughs> when when did she change the word? No, no, I'm talking about then he kissed me. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not this song. I mean, I've done exactly the routine, but not to this song. <laughs> but <laughs> but tell the people about how ironic it is that we're reviewing this and what happened to you today oh, while right. you were doing your job. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I was actually on lunch. Uh, I was delivering inside a uh, small uh, smaller mall that we have here in town. And um, I don't know the title of the song, but the uh, that the one song that plays when they're racing back to go home and beat the Andersons back, uh, that yeah, song twenty five miles, twenty five miles. Thank you. And yeah. that came on while I was delivering. I decided to take my lunch, and then then he kissed me came on. So <laughs> this this all happened today, and I'm like, I had to shoot you a text. I was like, yeah, there's um, you know that I forgot what I actually said. Something about the podcast gods, or was that you? That was me. I was like the podcast gods said that we had to record oh you know what i said was yeah. if this isn't a sign i don't know what is right exactly you know and one of the things that is real iconic for me is the logo i have a thing with logos i don't know what it is if if a logo looks awesome it just sticks in my head you know like bands for some weird reason like if a band has a really cool logo then i'll listen to their music i don't know what it is with me and logos but this movie has an amazing logo and of course you don't see it right away it's like seven minutes in you see it but i mean it's on the poster the poster is really is really awesome but i don't know what it is man but there's something about this logo i really dig what do you think uh the logo is pretty cool but i think it's just iconic as the poster you know the kids climbing up on the side of the wall like 1960s batman i think it's pretty amazing it kind of you know um it gets your attention a little bit and you're like is that something that really happens in the movie you know which spoiler alert it does not but um it's fun, you know. It it, it definitely uh, draws your attention and you know makes you curious for sure. Yeah, it's a fantastic poster. I mean, theoretically, it kind of does because you got Sarah later on outside of the yeah. building. But you know, you're right. The poster you look at and you're like, whoa, what is going on in this movie? When you have Sarah just hanging off of Chris's neck and just smiling at the poster, you know, it's pretty good. very iconic. Yep. Um. So. We uh, have Mike, who is Chris's boyfriend, show up in his own car that says too cool. So cool. On, so, oh, so cool. Thank you. I've never liked this guy. He's always been a douchebag. Yeah. He, uh, You're not supposed to like I'm, him. 
I know, but I think even in real life, he is like this. You know how like there's just some actors you look at him and you're like, you know what? I think that guy really acts just himself, not just a role. He's just actually like that in real life. That's how I feel like this guy really is. Uh, have you ever seen Get Out? Yes, I just watched yeah, that. Yeah, he was the dad. Uh, yeah, crazy movie. Um, what did you think of that? Oh, I thought I, it was I loved pretty it. amazing. Yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, it was one of my favorite movies of 2017. What an ending. I haven't watched the alternate ending just because oh, don't. I don't want it to spoil. Yeah, yeah don't watch the alternate ending. Um, well, in my opinion, it just... Um, yeah, just don't watch it. Just just watch the movie as it is. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So he basically does his little iconic line of girls like you only come along once in a lifetime, which of course will come into play later. But he's essentially breaking her heart and calling off the date. And then we get the introduction to our uh, brother and sister, Brad and Sarah. Now, uh, back in the day, being a DC guy, I could care less about Thor and Spider-Man and all that stuff. So all those jokes about Thor being a homo, I was like, I was always digging that. But of course now, after being in love with these movies, it's really awesome going back and seeing all these things and, you know, seeing what he looked like and having the feelings I had as a kid. But now I don't feel that way as an adult. I actually like Thor. Yeah, for me, I mean, when I was a kid, I couldn't tell you the difference between Marvel and DC, to be honest with you. Um, but there were no movies at the time. So I didn't know what Thor was. And I didn't know what a homo was. And <laughs> all I knew is that Brad didn't like him. Um, and honestly, when we meet uh, uh, Dawson, I thought he was Thor. You know, I didn't know it was a comic book character. I, I mean, you know, I was a kid. I, I didn't notice the posters or anything like that. It was just one of those things that you don't really think about until you get a little bit older. Obviously, I, as I got older, I was like, okay, comics. I get it. Right. And I love the My Pet Monster sitting in her room. I've, you know, I actually have the cuffs to this day. My kids <laughs> use them when they play Cops and Robbers. Um, and, of course, I've misplaced uh, My Pet Monster. It, they made a terrible movie of that, just like they did the Garbage Pail Kids. But... Uh, did you ever have that My Pet Monster? I did not. It, it was one of those that I was actually pretty jealous of, uh, of the kids that had it. You know, I was more yeah. of like the uh, the Ninja Turtles, um, uh, the Batman figurines, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, can, can you imagine how much that thing is worth now? Oh, I'd imagine quite a bit. But yeah, if you went on eBay, pro- probably easily like 100 bucks. Uh, well, in I'm good condition. To, so. Right. I'm going to have to look after this. So essentially, uh, Brenda comes over to talk to Chris, who is played by, oh gosh. Penelope Ann Miller from uh, Kindergarten Cop. Very, yeah, very good. Um, I definitely enjoy her more in Kindergarten Cop than I do this movie. I don't think you're supposed to like her in this movie, Brenda. Right. I don't think so either. I mean, she's more of a plot device, but you're right. She is very annoying. She wants to kill Uh, her mom. (laughs) <laughs> she wants to spike her Drano or, or what is it her tab with Drano <laughs> yeah you know I had no idea as a kid what that meant right. I was like what is she talking about it, It's this is one of those movies that that's probably why I enjoy it more and more the more I watch it because it just gets funnier because uh, there's so many adult jokes that totally go over kids heads if they watch this back in the 80s and now it, I mean it's funny uh, in the house we all just kind of recite this movie from beginning to end because it's just so iconic. There's so many amazing lines in this movie that you can pick from. 
uh, I mean, obviously we know the big one. Uh, what are some of your favorite lines from this movie? The pool, the mushigu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's very very quotable. Um, uh, to be honest, I, I don't have a go to. I mean, this isn't a movie that I randomly quote. You know, it's really more Back to the Future. It, you know, if I'm you know being honest here, uh, in, in a in a daily life of Peter, I'm usually quoting Back to the Future. Fair enough. Yeah, but if I am talking about adventurous babysitting, if this comes up in a conversation, you know, yeah, there's there's some lines in here for sure. Thor's a homo, uh, pull a mushy goo. Uh, just th- there's a lot of lines in here. I ain't taking you to no mall, no way. You know, like <laughs> the way he delivers that line, that's it's pretty great, Joe Gibb. I mean, isn't Joe Gibb the greatest criminal ever in a movie? No, he's got a big heart. He's a nice guy. And the funny thing is, is that. He always uses his name. Like the criminals are like, oh, so what? What's that scene where good job, Joe Gibb? Like they constantly are reminding you of his name in almost every scene. They always refer to him, not just Joe, but they got to throw in the Joe Gibb. You, you know, know that? Maybe maybe it's a street name. Maybe it's not Joe Gibb. Maybe it's just Joe Gibb. You know? Yeah. But maybe it's right. a slang we don't know. Exactly. You know better. You're from that area. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty scary. Yeah. Um, no, sk- skipping a little bit ahead, but one thing that I always enjoyed. Now you remember the wonderful world of Disney uh, back in the day, don't you? Disney it was always what, what? It was always played on Sunday nights. What's it Disney? Would be a, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Now there was this movie uh, that came out right after Adventures in Babysitting that starred Elizabeth Shue and George Newbern. Uh, George Newburn is the the guy she meets at the uh, at the bar, and then you know they get together at the end. But there was this movie called Double Switch, where he is this musician, and they're looking for a lookalike. And this one guy, he's basically his doppelganger, and Elizabeth Shue is his girlfriend. But then the musician has him switch places because he always wants to be him. His name's Bartholomew. Uh, and he ends up falling in love with Elizabeth Shue when it's really his girlfriend. It's a crazy movie, mm. and I finally found it on YouTube the other day. But have you ever heard or seen this movie? I have not, actually. This is uh, the first time I've heard it. It's got awesome music. If you go into YouTube and just type in Double Switch, you know, uh, Disney, Wonderful World, you know, Wonderful World, Disney, Double Switch, and just kind of watch a few scenes, I mean... It, the quality looks terrible, of course, because it's off VHS, but it's pretty fun. And you get to see Elizabeth Shue and George Newborn back together again. So it's almost like a continuation of this movie, but just as different characters. Okay. So that's why I've always enjoyed it. Have you ever seen Tough Turf? I have. Okay. That's on YouTube as well. I actually uploaded Hiding Out on YouTube, <laughs> and it is... Uh, banned in the united states but allowed to be seen across like europe or something weird i got it i got a notice on it that it says this movie is blocked but you can still have it up because we allow it in europe or something it's really weird that is weird so, yeah because you know i mean i did that whole uh no copyright infringement intended that whole thing you do when you upload a, a movie or whatever because i did that with the zoo gang but i broke that up into uh uh, what 10 sections because you know that's jason gedrick from heavenly kid mm-hmm. it's like i love that movie and i mean that movie the funny thing is i actually have people from that movie 
commented on my YouTube videos about how awesome it was making the movie and they said who they were. So that was that was pretty cool when you actually have le- people who were in the movie comment on the video and they don't tell you, hey, take this down. But instead they're like, hey, thanks for posting this. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It doesn't happen every day. Yeah. That, hey, that's pretty awesome. You know, it, it was probably just reminding them of the, the fun they had making the movie. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on uh, good old Daryl? You know, this is actually kind of, it sucks because, I mean, before, he's just kind of that that jerk of a friend, you know, like I get his character, but it's it sucks because just last year, you know, uh, with the news with him and Kevin Spacey that came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's hard to not think about that now. You know, I'm, I'm glad that the uh, Anthony Rapp is doing well. He's, he's definitely, uh, um, you know, what is he? He's on Discover, Discovery, Discover. What's that sci-fi show he's on? Is it a Star Trek? Star Trek, right? Uh, uh, let me look real quick. Yeah. So, but hey, he's doing well for himself, and I'm glad he is. And I'm, you know, it. Um, so yeah, kinda, Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, to what you're saying, like all that stuff happened, you know, prior to this movie, and then you go back and watch this and talk, and, and then some of the lines that he says, um, you know, when Chris is all like, you know, when they're getting ready to leave, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but um, right. he's like, road trip, you know, that which is another quotable line, just road trip, you know, the way he says it. And, you know, uh, she was like, look, you know, she gets into the whole deal, like, uh, you know, um, death murdered stand that and part yeah then he's like rape, rape. yeah and then you're just like oh girl, man like they made you say that after the stuff you went through with kevin spacey it's 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 terrible so it's it's really hard to kind of enjoy his character because you know you're supposed to kind of just dislike him as well yeah but he means yeah. well you he know does. he's just that horny teen is, is is all it is and he has a pretty good arc throughout the movie. I mean, he starts off that way, but, you know, by the end of it, um, he kind of starts to get some confidence and, uh, you know, he kind of becomes a little bit more sensitive, if you will, by the end of it. But he has some really great lines, of course. I'll, I'll tell um, you what, uh, a night in downtown Chicago will change a person. <laughs> you, <laughs> as, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir there, Yeah, son. as we see in this movie, so. <laughs> um, so... I definitely dig uh, Anthony Rapp, and especially I had no idea he could sing because uh, he's in Rent, and I'm not usually a musical guy, but I really enjoy that movie, and it's very, it's pretty phenomenal how great his voice is. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but uh, I would check it out, and Chris Columbus did that movie as well, which I think is one of the reasons why Anthony Rapp is in that movie, is because Chris Columbus directed this, remembered how awesome he was, and brought him into Rent. So yeah, that's that's awesome. I um I well I love Rent, and I know that Christopher uh, Christopher Columbus directed it, but I did not remember Anthony Rapp being in it. But I've I've only seen it the one time, and that was actually when it came out. Uh, I remember watching it and just really enjoying it. So I'll definitely have to go back and then look for him. He's the one that always does the uh, the film camera, and his girlfriend leaves him for another girl. Okay. His fiance. All yeah. right. Again, I I just watched it the one time, so the details okay. are very muddled. I I remember Tate Diggs being in it. Yeah. Well, uh, go back and watch it. Okay. Very good. All right. So, um, so let's talk about when, you know, he comes over and the whole road trip thing, because he's you know, a straight Chris dog. Over. Exactly. Now this part's always annoyed me. And I, and I think I remember bringing this up on the first time I reviewed this, but so Chris and Sarah are watching, or at least Chris is watching TV while Sarah and, uh, uh, Brad are on the couch kind of messing around. 
And in the background, you hear the Halloween closet scene, but on the TV is cartoons. <laughs> so then when Brad then comes, knocks on the window, does his funny face, and then they come back. Now is Halloween playing uh, with that particular sound you heard earlier. So the syncing is completely off. It's one of those things where I like to watch background stuff after you've seen a movie like a thousand times. Most of the time it pays off, but this is one of those movies where I kind of wish I never watched the background because the editing is way off, especially if you know the movie as well as I do, uh, playing in the background. Right. It bothers you. It does. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, it's a stupid thing. No. I mean, of course, no. it doesn't make me drop the movie rating or anything like that, but it's just annoying. I mean, um, recently I was watching uh, Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark with my son, and there's that scene where there's a, a fly that like lands on a dude's lip and then immediately disappears. It's like, <laughs> where'd a fly go? Did it go in his mouth? Like, you know, th- things like that, it bothers people, but... Yeah, don't don't feel bad about it, but um, you know, I do that myself. I mean, we we talked about Cobra Kai earlier today. There's so much going on in the background, you know. So it's something like that, you know. Yeah, look out for it because uh, they're Easter eggs. So, so uh, some things are intentional, you know. Just kind of like what you mentioned with the uh, Deborah Hill here. Right. Exactly. Uh, so they. So of course, the whole reason they're going downtown is because Brenda gets herself in trouble. She runs away and there's a dude with a gun who's just smiling, not going to do anything with the gun, but she freaks out. So they all have to go downtown. And that's when Brad decides or Daryl decides he wants to join the fun. And of course, during the drive, uh, there's that iconic scene where he pulls out the Playboy. And of course, it's Elizabeth's shoe, but you know, it's not really her. But of course, it's the only section of Playboy that when you open it, up there's no nude there she's completely covered so you gotta love that right no i i <laughs> what, what's a playboy if it's covered do what <laughs> i said what's a playboy if it's covered oh right yeah. exactly i mean not that i've ever looked at one i mean i'm just but saying i i've always loved it when he uh when brad throws it outside and he's like and then daryl gets mad i was like that was my dad stupid you shouldn't have brought along stupid yeah God. yeah exactly and, it's like idiot, but I love when Chris is telling the story and he does that face with the tongue. <laughs> it, like if I think if you look up Adventures Babysitting on your iPhone uh, during the memes and you type that in, that's one of the scenes that you can do as a GIF and send to somebody, which I absolutely love. That's pretty it's funny. fantastic. Um, and, you'll you'll have to check out your phone when I text you later. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. And here's what I love about Chris's car is the wheels because the wheels are from Dukes of Hazard. It's on the General Lee. That's uh, why I've always loved that car. Well, speaking of um, Chris's uh, belongings, we actually kind of like completely skipped about uh, skipped her coat and scarf and all that stuff because that was actually a pretty good scene between her and Brad too. Y- yes. Why don't you uh, elaborate, sir? Well, Chris, you know, is uh, over there to babysit Sarah and um, let's see, Chris is 17, Brad's 15, so he's just like, I don't need a sitter. But obviously, he has this big crush on Chris. She comes over, and he's like hitting on her in the most awkwardest of ways. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, I love I love your eyes. She's like, what about them? They're oh, so well-placed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just like, and, even, and, and the way uh, Keith Coogan plays it, too, he's just all like, oh, what a dumbass line to say. Like, even he acknowledges <laughs> it after he says it. And then he's like, oh, your, your coat. Oh, yeah, it's my grandpa's. Oh, he's got good taste. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> he just tosses in. Did you just hear this 
thump on the ground. But nothing beats the embarrassment from the parents of Brad, stop eating chocolate. You'll get zits all over your face. While he's like staring at her and eating the chocolate bar. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I his parent now, the parents are supposed to be oblivious. Um, I like the fact that they're not completely stupid, but that all goes away later on at the party. That's like if I was going to nitpick anything is like I know we're jumping ahead, but I got to get this off my chest is when Sarah's outside the window and the dude is staring at her. Most people will want to look to see what you're looking at, but instead they're like, hello. So the only thing that logically makes sense to me is that they're completely drunk. It's the only thing that I, well, allows me to forgive that scene. Uh, I, I guess, <laughs> you know, if you want to look at it that way, but you're right. I, I actually, I blame it on the actor because I feel it should be more subtle. You know, like you're completely staring in one direction and that, I, I feel that kind of, um... What's the word I'm looking for here? It's the parents, they can't react to that. They can't turn around, right? So if he played it more subtle, they can continue on with the scene. So I don't know if that was the direction he was given, but you're right. That that is something I'm always bothered by. Uh, I feel that's something I brought up in my review as well. Um, I think I did the movie maybe a couple years ago. I forget. But uh, they, it's all a blur. At this yeah, point. it's always been something that has bothered me much more so than the editing of the the sounds that you mentioned. But the man is staring in one direction, and you're talking to him, and he doesn't respond, and you don't turn around. Come on! But yeah. I right. I mean, let's face it. Did this guy ever make another movie after this? I don't know. Mm. I mean, he, he was kind of old too. So yeah, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, after their, uh, they basically have a tire blowout uh, after Chris is telling the story to Sarah, and they're just having a good old time. And I do enjoy this is one of my favorite scenes with everybody is the whole I forgot my purse situation because of how much of a smartass uh, Daryl is. Did you forget your purse? And then Chris just goes off on him i really enjoy it because you know of course it gives us the introduction the handsome john pruitt who is super amazing but i really enjoy this whole scene because it's almost scary because chris columbus did gremlins so he knows how to shoot and do tent scenes i thought this scene was really effective and still effective of building tension but then throwing the comedy in there that he's really good at doing like in gremlins so yeah, it's it's a great scene. I mean, it always kind of bothered me that when the tire blew out, everybody is laughing. Well, I mean, not not Brad, but Darrow and Sarah, they're laughing hysterically. I'm like, you know, like if she can't control the car, you guys could flip. Like that's always something that kind of bothered me. I'm just all like, why is anybody laughing at this moment? Anyone that's had anything wrong with a vehicle while still in motion is one of the scariest things you know anybody can experience but you're right i mean the whole thing about the purse it sets up the fact that chris has no money so she can't pay for the tire can't pay for the windshield um you know couldn't pay for an uber to go pick up brenda you know like (laughs) she's got no money uh basically so it's a nice detail and you know chris columbus he's he's one of my favorite directors he's done a lot of movies that i'm sure you and i both grew up on Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I got money. Oh, what do you got? 50 cents? Oh, you're a kid for Christ's sake. Yeah. yeah you're a kid for Christ's sake. You don't have any money. <laughs> Speaking of kid, the one line that always uh, always kind of bothered me as well 
is I think it's earlier on. Uh, no, no. Okay, see, we, we keep jumping ahead, but this movie's so good, it's really hard to kind of like exactly, um, yeah. But it's when they're walking in downtown, and Brad's trying to hit on her and say, you know, give other guys a chance, blah blah blah. And he's like, right. you know, she's like, who? He goes, me. And she's like, you're just a child. I'm thinking he's two years younger than you in the movie. <laughs> like I know they were probably like six years apart in real life, but you call him a child. That's that's a slap in the face, basically. Right. Well. She does apologize, but still. She does, but that's kind of the character arc because like you said in regards to laughing, I mean, Sarah's just a kid. She doesn't know any better. And Daryl is just, he's just a jerk at that point. And then Chris, you know, obviously she's so infatuated and in love with Mike that it isn't until after the restaurant scene that she starts to see uh, Brad for the great guy he is because she says that line of you know he's more he's got more class than you'll ever have so that's kind of where i think that comes from because chris doesn't really want to look at any other guy you know what i mean like she's so head over heels infatuated with mike that no other guy exists so she wants to put them all down and it isn't until after the restaurant scene and then after trying to save sarah that she starts to come around and realize that you know what these are actually good friends and they're not kids yeah that's kind of where i feel you know because everybody grows by the end of the movie even though it's a really short movie you know it's only 99 minutes long so yeah, I mean, also, you know, she, uh, you're talking about um, Brad, who yeah, she is with. At this point, he's done nothing to her, but right. you got Daryl and, um, hold on, uh, Daryl and, what's Keith Coogan's? Uh, Brad, Brad Anderson. Wait, then, okay, no. Mike, Mike. Okay, so I meant Mike. So she's with oh. Mike right now, right? Right. And Brad and Daryl were, you know, kind of shading him in the back of the car, talking about like, oh, he kicked my ass. And, you know, so they, they have nothing good to say about the guy that she is with. So, yeah, she's going to be on the defensive. You know, she's trying to stick up for her man. And, you know, maybe the, the child thing was a little warranted. But, yeah. No, yeah, I, get what, I get what you're saying. You know, she's trying to stick up for Mike. Yeah. So, and you're right too. I mean, that shade is probably because she didn't say anything about a kid until after that situation. So, mm-hmm. you're right. That's probably where that defensiveness is coming from, too. So, um, so John Pruitt, very fun. I definitely enjoy his story. Uh, it's a really fun car ride situation. And then, of course, he has a hook for a hand. So, what do you think of uh, good old John Pruitt? You know, I think he's a cool character. I mean, the man's got his initials on his semi. You know, that's kind of cool too, JP. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, he could approach uh, a bunch of kids a, a little bit. Um, you know, these kids are clearly scared. You know, he could approach them uh, in a different manner, you know. But uh, he, I think he kind of plays it up a little bit, kind of messes with them. But it's it goes from zero to 60 pretty quick. He gets a call <laughs> from Dawson. Dawson's like, hey. Uh, I saw some. I don't know if you want to see it. Okay, what? Why? You told me you saw part. something, but you don't want to tell him. Like, what was the point of that? But it's fine. It's funny. It's like, um, just tell me what you saw. Ooh, you're not gonna like it. She's with that bastard again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So apparently, his wife, you know, has been having some extramarital curricular activity. Uh, exactly. So what I like to say, and you know, um, th- this is where things kind of go wrong a, lo- a little bit for them. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, it, it doesn't set off the events, but this is where everything goes crazy because uh, there is a fight and then there's a gunshot 
of course it hits Chris's car, my mom's car, and of course they try to get away, and that's when they go into a car that's currently being robbed by Mr. Joe Gibb. Now, Calvin Levels is the guy who plays Joe Gibb. I don't ever remember seeing him in anything else, but I really wish, you know, I really wish I did because I really enjoy this guy. He he really brings some heart to this movie. So I really enjoy this guy. He's he's pretty awesome. Yeah, I I like him a lot. Um you know, every scene he's in, he's good. I don't want to, you know, call him a scene stealer, but he's he's great. He's a great side character uh even when they are trying to escape the garage, you know, and he's looking He's just fun to look at as well. You know, him reacting kind of like, oh, okay, I see you babysitters, you know, like. Yeah, you know, he- his his eyes tell a lot of story. That's what I really enjoy because, I mean, that emotion of when they're trying to escape and just, oh, my God, are they going to fall? There's so much that he does through his facial expressions and the smirk on his face and him leaning over uh, the rail when they get away of just like, ha ha. A sigh of relief. You know, yeah. he's, he's, uh, he was probably tense himself. Like, oh, if they get caught, it's not going to go well. And once they get away, you know, oh, we can breathe a little bit better now, you know. Um, but you know what? It's a little gross. But even as a kid, the guy who drinks that coffee with the dirt in it, yeah. I was kind of wondering, I was like, is is it good though? Is it really? You know, I was kind of <laughs> wanted to try it because he's just like, mm, good coffee. I used to have that cup too. Oh, is that and, right? Yeah, I don't know what happened to it. I probably threw it out with the rest of my 80s stuff. Um, but yeah, let's talk about that. So, so Mr. Joe Gibb decides to, the smart idea is not to let them out in this neighborhood. I wouldn't even get out in this neighborhood. And he decides to take him back to the operation. And now here's what always cracks me up. You know how they get upset about, well, they could go to the cops and tell them about our operation. But the thing is, you have like 50 guys there. So aren't you, when you're doing a job interview, aren't they kind of knowing your, you know, location and that it just cracks me up that whole thing about they could go to the cops. So it's like, well, what about all the employees you have? Are they just straight out of jail and that's why you gave them a job and you know they're not going to say nothing you know what i mean yeah it probably is i mean most of those people that work there probably have some kind of rap sheet so you know they're not going to go to the cops obviously so bringing complete strangers that don't know what's going on in their operation oh yeah i'd be concerned myself yeah um the other the uh, the other guy uh, the one that punches Joe Gibb. I, I can never remember his name, but that's probably because, you know, oh, Graydon is his name. Uh, I saw him I recently. Oh, I know what it was. It was Home Alone 2. Remember when she's trying to find, when the mom's trying to find Kevin in New York? Oh, yeah, he's the he, cop. He's, he's the cop because Chris Columbus directed Home yep. Alone 2. So he likes to reuse actors, yeah. which is pretty nice. And good he's actually really good cop in that. Now, did you, obviously we're skipping way ahead here, but to me, Adventures of Babysitting is the first after credit scene movie I ever saw. You, you know there's an after credit scene on this, right? I mean, it's a Marvel movie, right? It's got Thor in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, I had no idea until years later when I had let the movie play out and I was cleaning or something and I turn around and dude is still outside the building and he just stares up at you. Yeah, that's I, that, that's one thing I always kind of remembered um, that was associated with this movie as well. Um, I don't 
remember like how long after the credits they actually show that but that's something i always kind of remembered as a kid too like oh yeah you know maybe that's what it was like on the first showing we just kind of let it uh, continue playing and then i saw it and then so anytime i would watch adventures and babysitting i would just watch it until i see that stinger and then i and then it's over so yeah it's completely after the credits like all the music's done the credits are wrapped up there it is it's just like the ferris peeler's day off one uh where he tells you to go home that one another thing i associate with this movie and um it's the touchstone you know opening credits the lightning bolt you know yeah and then you get the song it's so it's so iconic to me and like anytime i see that thunderbolt i immediately think it my go-to would be adventures in babysitting yeah, I agree. The other one would be Days of Thunder, I think is the other one. I believe you. Uh, but <laughs> you're right. Every time I see that same logo, I have the exact same response. Just like uh, uh, t- Touchstone Pictures, what do you think of? Uh, oh, wait, well, wait, this... wait. Maybe not Touchstone, Columbia. Columbia Pictures, what do you think oh, of? The Karate Kid. There you go. What about Universal Studios? Back to the Future. Yeah, see? So it just shows like uh, which movies we watch over and over and what we associate those logos with. Now, whenever I see Lionsgate, I know it's going to be a jacked up movie. Uh, <laughs> Lionsgate's it, got some good movies now. And what I mean, I mean jacked up in a good way. Like either it's going to be super gory, uh, it's going to be super like super scary, or it's going to have some twisted ending. Like Lionsgate movies, I always like I get excited for because they're unpredictable. They're it's you know there's something about them that i'm like oh lionsgate yeah uh blumhouse is going is like a new one because they're the ones doing the new halloween so i'm interested to see uh how this turns out of course isn't there one that's called asylum i i feel that's kind of like lionsgate too you know something associated with horror movies I, i could be wrong but i feel like asylum was one well new line cinema i instantly think of nightmare on elm street yeah, for, for me, it's Ninja Turtles. <laughs> for real? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I didn't grow up watching horror movies, right? So New Line Cinema, I think uh, Ninja Turtles and Scream. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, what about Warner Brothers? Uh, Superman. Batman. <laughs> See? Yeah, DC or, Warner Brothers, yeah. Or or Gremlins, depending on if it, depending what time of the year it is. Okay. Because, because Gremlins immediately has snow. On their Warner Brothers, well, not it's not snow, but it starts with the uh, Christmas music in the background. So, dig it. Uh, where were we at? Oh, the escape. Uh, escape. Yep. So, pretty fun escape. Uh, the only thing that kind of bothered me is when Brad grabs the Playboy that Daryl stole uh, from the office. I'm like, okay, I can barely hold my balance not on top of you know what 10 stories in the air and he like bends over to grab the magazine and i'm like how did you not fall well what bothered me was who would write on a perfectly good playboy (laughs) (laughs) it's true i mean what are those there's a bunch of uh notes right of uh cars that need to be delivered is that what that supposedly is oh i, th- I think somebody was playing sudoku or something i'm, I'm not sure okay but, cool. no yeah you're right it um i i think what it was was like uh you know possibly like transaction numbers and stuff like basically things that could incriminate them and you know lock them up for years so yeah that makes sense because yeah. he said it put them away for 20 years but the 
the notes because uh, of course when the dude gets punched out at the end and they throw the magazine on him and i kind of get a good glimpse of what's on there i didn't it's, see uh, anything it's a picture that, of chris parker yeah i didn't see anything <laughs> really that would put them away for 20 years but well that makes a little bit more sense you know, and, and you got to wonder, too, like, where was somebody when they wrote those notes? Were they sitting on the toilet reading that magazine <laughs> and just decided they would start taking notes? Or exactly. Were you in the office and was like, hey, I ran out of notepad. Uh, hand me that Playboy over there. I need something to write on. <laughs> but it, it's a plot device. You know, they got to write it on something. But, you know, it, it's always kind of funny thinking back at this movie. Right, especially when, you know, you're going to get us into so much trouble. And, of course, they put it in the Gremlins book bag. So I guess the most iconic scene that most people associate with this movie would be the Blues Club scene. So uh, thoughts on this scene? Because I love the fact that Chris says she can't sing. Yeah, she says it a number of times. Yeah, Yeah. but she can sing, clearly. You know what it is? You just got to have the right rhythm. And they had rhythm and blues playing, so you know that's not hard. So this this scene's fantastic. There's so many great uh, great moments, especially people's faces of what are you doing in our club, and how it takes a little bit for them to warm up to them. But when they finally do, they they just tear the roof off. Now the the main guy that does the uh, that does the the blues uh, what's his name um albert collins so he says to them nobody leaves this place without singing the blues right so when the bad guys come up to him after they leave did you take that line as in those guys aren't able to leave until they do the exact same thing that chris and the kids just did absolutely and i want that deleted scene too chris columbus <laughs> i want to see them singing the blues you know what would be funny is if they pan around that room and we saw like a drunk gary and wyatt from um, you know, Weird Science in the same club. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That probably explains why they don't show up for like 30 more minutes because they couldn't come up with the song and they were there, you know, because, I mean, they were open all night. So they probably didn't get out till what, early in the morning? Probably. I mean, if, if you think about it, the, you know, Chris and company, they had to sing about what went on in their evening. Those guys, they can't sing like what was on, you know, the Playboy. They can't, you know, reveal those notes. I mean, what else would they be singing about? So probably took them some time. They had to throw back a couple of shots and then uh, give it a few tries. It's true. And I can't say it was till the morning because this all takes place in just a couple of hours. Oh, absolutely. But, because but, they have to get back before one o'clock. Exactly. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. it was really hard to imagine what kind of song those guys would come up with. Yeah, we were trying to kill some kids tonight. And they stole my Playboy. And then, exactly. the, and then it goes completely quiet. I mean, my notepad. <laughs> <laughs> we should write that song and then, you know, put it on YouTube or something. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, they have, this is kind of the, it doesn't slow down, but it's kind of a character moment. As you were bringing up earlier about Chris just calling him a kid, uh, things like that. And we kind of find out there's other runaways that are on the street and things like that. Chris Columbus, his wife. That's who that is? Yeah, she's his wife. I had no idea. Holy cow. Yeah, she and I and I think that's why, you know, she looks older too and they're just like you're 17. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. So, what did you uh what do you think of that whole the whole walking down the street, that whole situation, everything they're talking about? 
Well, you know, it's it's fine. You're right. It is a bit of a lull at that moment, but um, I think we get a little bit more of character development there. Um, I, I think what we need is just a, a, a bit of a, a breather, you know, after the kids being chased. You know, we just had this uh, this musical number and all that. It was just a kind of a moment to kind of um, not re- not reflect, but kind of just... Yeah, as you said, a, character development. Yeah. yeah, I mean, also, it's, you know, they have to meet this woman and remind them that, you know, she was a runaway and now, you know, now she's a prostitute. And then that gives Chris a reminder, like, hey, we got to go pick up Brenda, who also ran away. Um, but I think this is just another one of those scenes that the filmmakers are trying to show the kids, like, hey, if you go out gallivanting downtown, you could end up being like these people. You know, you yeah. could be stealing cars, working in a chop shop. You could be a prostitute at 17. You know, it's just like this crazy idea of what could happen to kids if they went into town. Yeah, it's true. And plus, you're right. Um, you kind of forget about Brenda because, you know, they throw her scenes in periodically. Some of them are really funny. I definitely enjoy the hot dog uh, scene. But I think the rat one is the one that is the best. Uh, I can't slip you the wiener. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, my uh, my favorite is the guy who keeps like showing off his gun. You know, <laughs> obviously they can't have him flash her. You know, it's a kids movie. You don't they don't want kids going out and like flashing other kids in because of this movie. So you know you have to you know show again how dangerous uh, downtown Chicago is. So there's a guy with a gun for no reason, you know, and then you got this other guy who wants Brenda to get out of his house, which is a phone booth. Uh, and she mentioned something about like a bald Chinese lady without pants. I want to <laughs> see that. Why? Why did we get that person? I know, right? I I have a feeling this movie is like a half hour longer, and <laughs> and like the that half hour is spent specifically with her leaving the house and somehow getting to the station and running into all these people. And then she calls. It could uh, be. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. That's what I think happens. So speaking of Chicago, being from Chicago, even when I was a kid and I've always loved this movie. And of course, you know, it can't really happen. But the one scene that I called BS on from the moment I saw it, even though I love it so much at the same time, is the train scene. Because when two Chicago gangs get together and they're going to fight, there's no way that you're getting out of that. No way. But it's fun entertainment and the movie would be over, of course. Yeah, what I really wanted was um, them to break out into a dance, you know, to beat it. That's that's really what I wanted. (laughs) I swear some of those guys are actually from that video. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. They probably walked right off the set into this movie. It's true. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's a fact or not, but that's what it really looks like. Uh, one of the guys I actually thought was from New York Undercover in the background, but I've never been able to prove it, that. It, it is. Yeah. It um, uh, Torres from New York Undercover, that was him in the Beat It video. Oh, I was actually referring to in the back of the uh, oh, train. Oh, okay. No, no. Yeah. I was, um, well, I'm going to... I'm wondering who you're talking about then. Are you talking about uh, Torres? Yeah. The, the Latino guy? Yep. Well, yeah, I don't think he's an Adventures in Babysitting, but he was for sure in the um, Beat It video. Yes, that's true. I remember that, which is probably, you're a big Michael Jackson fan. Huge. Uh, I mean, you got me, you know, you had the second play. Uh, you heard the STL Top 50 Songs episode, correct? 
I've, I've listened to all your episodes. Very good. And you, of course, took second place for my uh, request because I had never heard that before. And Michael Jackson was the winner of that, uh, of, of, you know, you sent me many requests and all of them were awesome, but that was my favorite. So being the big Michael Jackson fan that you are, what's your favorite video? Oh, video. You know, what's funny is actually I, I actually did a uh, top five Michael Jackson uh, music videos on uh, one of my shows called We Got Five, uh, which, you know, listeners of anybody that uh, follows uh, Jameson's, um, uh, you know, was it t- it's, t- it's Time for Five? Yeah, the radio show, exactly. You do yeah. the same kind of show with your friend, yeah. Right, so we've done the top five Michael Jackson music videos, and I forgot what my number one was. Um, I forgot too because it's been so long since you did that episode. I'm drawing yeah, a blank. So that's so why I was. I. I needed a refresh. I was well, like, uh, I mean, <laughs> "Beat It" is a pretty darn good video. Uh, bad. I didn't really care for bad. Nope. Um, you know, "Thriller" is a pretty amazing video as well. "Earth Song" is also a great video. Um, one video that uh, was not in my top five, which people gave me a lot of shade for was um well maybe it was i again i don't remember because it's been so long but i i had some criticisms about smooth criminal and people were like what that a video that video is amazing i go it's good you know and the the leaning move is pretty cool but i guess my issue with it was it it, it looked like they were filming it for acme you know there's one one part where michael jackson does like a dance move that some guy gets blown away through the wall and it's like it's a cutout of his body you know so i was just like it's a little cartoony <laughs> well you know why that is because it's from the movie moonraker right moonraker with the, the rabbit yeah, yeah. where he's a claymation rabbit so you know it it's it's fine but he's got so many awesome videos you know so uh i also love um i like jam where he kicks oh, the basketball great. off yeah. of his foot and it goes in the basket i always like that one scream of scream with, with janet, janet jackson in space that's amazing also um uh, and also uh what's the, there's one i call basically billy jean part two um is it uh the way you make me feel yeah wait yeah where he's walking uh following another girl i mean it's like thriller and billy jean all together really but yeah it is um don't yeah, and uh, ha- Haley yeah. Steinfeld did that for, um, you know, the lip sync. Yeah, lip sync battle when they did the tribute to Michael Jackson. That was her song she picked. Was the way you make me feel, and she won because she did everything in that video. So. That's a yeah. Th- those lip sync battles are pretty amazing. I mean, my favorite one of one of my favorites is still Tom Holland. You know, doing the Rihanna. Oh yeah, uh, that's pretty amazing. But um, I like drop the drop the mic now. That's my new favorite. Oh, uh, I haven't seen a lot of those, but the cheesiest one that I watched that was actually kind of funny also was Kenny G versus, um, uh, who was it? Kenny G versus, he sings, uh, uh, Richard Marks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. But, um, well, just real quick. See... Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, just real quick on Michael Jackson. If you, because I think you do like covers as well, but um, there's yes. a pretty awesome cover of Dirty Diana by The Weeknd, uh, who is actually one of my favorite um, artists now. And he actually does that 
song justice like if if you listen to some of his songs he sounds a lot like michael jackson you know just kind of uh michael jackson singing to trap music is is how i imagine it but um his version is called dd i don't know if it is something about the rights or something but uh his version is just updated and i think it's one of the best covers i've ever heard we might have to make that a music spotlight. No, perhaps, know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, since we got off topic, um, so the train scene, uh, very iconic. Yeah, because we were talking about beat and stuff. So I love this scene. It's awesome. I mean, obviously, it probably has the most iconic line of, you know, don't F with the babysitter. Um, I really enjoy it. The thing that really got to me was when they did the, you know, remake and they show the trailer and this is one of the scenes that they show that was what made me not want to watch it was i can't even remember what was the words that they used but it was so bad and you know like in the 80s when they had some dude voiceover swear words and it was always funny like especially arnold movies but this one was i think the worst i can't even remember what it was but it was so bad of what i don't either yeah i'll have to youtube it i guess but uh, what do you think of this scene overall? I mean, it's I, I think I think it's definitely one of the most iconic scenes of the movie. Um, I think this is also one of the more uh, safe go tos. You know, if if you don't want to reveal that you haven't seen um, you know Adventures in Babysitting in a long time, you can be like, "Don't f with the babysitter," and you'd be okay. Like people are like, "Ah, yeah, you are a fan of that movie." <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, it's one of those um, you know just go to quotables. It's good. It's I, I guess it's a reason to kind of make uh, or a reason to give Brad a moment to kind of shine. You know, he st- he sticks up uh, for Chris at this moment. You know, to kind of you know add more to his character. You know, to show Chris like, hey, you know, Brad is a nice guy. He stuck up for you in front of these two gangs. He could have gotten killed. I mean, they nearly took off his toe. Even yeah. if it's one stitch, it's still a knife to the toe. It's true. So speaking of the one stitch and we go to the hospital, I do find this very, I, I like the, the score going on in the background. It's very, very fun. And I, this is one of the lines speaking of that I still use is, uh, don't, don't, he could get rabies, scabies, emphysema, you know, that whole line that Daryl says, uh-huh. and guys, can't you read, take him to the hospital. And that whole scene, we see what Pruitt, uh, the guy he took out earlier, beating him up, is in the hospital. But it's a really fun scene because I think this is where Chris is starting to realize what Brad just did. Not only fear for the safety of having to bring them home, but the fact of, well, I hope something didn't happen to him. I think this is where she's starting to kind of turn around a little bit. Even though the restaurant scene hasn't happened, I think this is kind of where she starts to change you know, her feelings and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, I always kind of wonder what kind of hospital this is for a doctor to, you know, mix up patients. I mean, I feel like you would want to use names, especially when it comes to life and death. Death, But as I got older, I was like, you know what? The man does look like he's extremely tired and probably been up for like 36 hours. <laughs> so the littlest of details is, you know, he, he's going to forget them. Um, but that's one thing as a kid it, that always kind of bothered me. You know, where she's just like, oh, I'm looking for my friend. He got, uh, did, did she say he got stabbed or something? Yeah, he goes, which one is he? The one with the stab, because the nurse comes and says. Stab wound. The, the, the man with the stab wounds just died. Oh, dear. 
Yeah. And then she, he goes, which one is he? Oh, the one with the knife wound. Oh, oh dear. And then <laughs> yeah. that's when it proceeds and then she passes out and stuff. Exactly. See, so, you know, you should probably uh, clarify, you know, and use names. So that way something like that doesn't happen. Paperwork. They're going to want to know my name and stuff. I mean, of course, in today's, again, one of those scenes that you definitely couldn't do in today's remake, you ain't walking into no hospital unless you've done the paperwork first. They are not treating you. I mean, your arm could be falling off and they're like, oh, you got to do the paperwork first. Yep, exactly. They're going to be like, uh, do you have insurance? <laughs> That's exactly. It. They would cut this scene out of the remake for sure. They'd figure some way else to have him treated like maybe, you know, where the Punisher gets his uh, stuff made. They take him to one of those places, you know. Yeah. One of those guys. So after the hospital scene, this is where they take off and they see Mike, right? Isn't it right after the hospital? I, I think scene? it is. Yeah, they uh, they um they're oh. walking, and then Daryl notices the car and the license plate. Oh no no, they haven't met. Uh, they haven't gone to the party yet. My bad. I skipped way ahead. That's okay. where they they go to the party because Sarah has to pee, and that's when uh, Chris meets uh, George Newburn's character Dan, the college student, and. Of course, we have uh, the guy singing. Who doesn't he remind you so much? Speaking of your favorite movie of Huey Lewis in the news, this guy right here, Southside Johnny, doesn't he remind you of that guy? Yeah, the, I mean the voice. You're talking about the voice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the voice. The voice. Yeah, I can I can hear it for sure. Yeah, it's a really good song too. I really enjoy it. But this is a really fun scene. You actually have some comedy here. You actually have some serious moments, and I. Right off the bat, these two have amazing chemistry together. It's pretty good. I mean, he he does question like you know her age and all that stuff, so it's a little muddy. You know, they clearly have an attraction for one another, and then he finds out that she's still in high school, but yet still proceeds to kind of pursue her too. So some something questionable, but clearly <laughs> at in the eighties, I guess it was a little bit more acceptable, but it's fine. And uh, it happens today, you know, teachers, students, it's all good. And I mean, we don't condone that, Mike, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I guess it does happen. It's true. So uh, I really enjoy Daryl here trying to get with the girl, and but he's not really trying to get with her because he's so afraid of her because, you know, she's so intimidating because she's so strong. But here's the thing that I dig everything in this scene except this one part. So clearly, uh, Dan is talking with these two guys, you know, the two guys that think that Chris is in Playboy, right? And they purposely go up to her and show her the thing and say that it's her. And she's like, no, it's clearly not her. And he sticks up for her. So when Daryl is talking to the girl and clearly she's the boyfriend of the blonde guy, the guy that was just talking. The ball to, hunk. Yeah, the ball hunk. So why does why does he freak out so much where he's like, oh, he's just a kid, you big dumb ball hunk, and they run out like, you know, I'm driving. I feel like something happened that was cut out because it's too the scene goes too quick, like for him to just be really good friends with the guy. And then all of a sudden he's they run out. He's like, I'm driving. I've just never liked the way that it was edited together. I feel like something was cut and I just can't put my finger on what it is. I mean, it could also just be bad acting. 
<laughs> that could be it. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it could be the editing. I mean, you mentioned earlier that there, there's probably some scenes they left on the cutting room floor. Um, yeah. I, I never thought anything of it. You know, it, it's just a bunch of jocks that we're not supposed to like. You know, uh, clearly Daryl is like uh, kind of scoring with the, the, the girlfriend of the bohunk. And for me, I'm trying to wonder, like, is she kind of being all cozy with him because she is with this other guy who is nothing like Daryl. So that's kind of where my mind is more, you know, just the fact that she is older than Daryl. Okay. Fair enough. Um, you know, kind of, so they leave the party and he offers to give them a ride because they need uh, $50 in order to get the tire fixed, which, you know, I think that price really hasn't changed too much in 2018. You know, it's about the price it takes to get a tire fixed, uh, which, of course, back in the 80s, I'm sure was more like 200 bucks. And he gets them 45 bucks. So I really enjoy this scene because this was my introduction to Vincent D'Onofrio and seeing the chameleon that he is, of course, later I would know him in Full Metal Jacket, which I've never watched the whole thing, only the first part that he's in it. I never watched the second half. Right. I hate the second half. Yeah. I <laughs> it's, think, it's a completely different movie at that point. I know. I think everybody says the exact same thing. But it's crazy how built he is, but how he's able to just change. He's like like Christian Bale in regards to how he can just change his weight per yeah, role. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. It amazes me. So I really enjoy this Dawson scene. It still has a lot of heart to it. The whole, you know, you're my hero thing. You know, even though I've seen it like a billion times, it still, you know, still puts a smile on my face with this scene. So what do you think of it overall? I mean, anybody wants to be, it's flattering when somebody calls you a hero. You know, so I I think that's really what melted his heart. Yeah. So I'm really glad that, uh, you know, again, in the remake today, they wouldn't be giving you no uh, $45. You'd have to pay the full 50, you know, even if you call me a hero or give me your debit card, you know. Uh, so, well, uh, you know, now, you know, Chris would probably have some kind of iPhone and she could just Apple pay him. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> exactly. Problem that, that, yeah, that, that eliminates uh, Dan's character and all of that. So, yeah, exactly. it's. So, you know, if you're going to try to redo this movie, it's it would be difficult. Uh, and that's why I say you got to take it back. You know, if you want to take it back a little bit and not exactly to the 80s, take it to the 90s. Yeah. You know, just right before the invent of cell phones and smartphones. Because, yeah, it, a lot of these plot devices, the, the, that's where technology gets in the way. Exactly. I agree. So now they're in the car and that's when we get the restaurant scene, uh, seeing the car, you know, so cool. And then of course we get him giving the line to, uh, what is her name? Because the way she says it, I've never understood it. Is it a sesame plexer? She's such a sleaze. Is What's her name? I can never make it out because she's so pissed when she says it. Yeah. I don't think uh, she was saying her name. I think I think I she was saying something. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was actually um, a, a name. Um, yeah, I don't. I I don't remember. But okay. but right. uh, and, and not only you know uh, is all of this going on, it's actually the same restaurant that Brad was supposed to take her to because he cancels that that date. You know, the French restaurant. So, say say that again. When when was he going to do that? 
That was the date that they were supposed to go on, but his sister was sick. Oh, right, right, right. And she was contagious, yeah. Well, you said Brad. That's why I was confused. Oh, you know what? I keep calling him Brad because that's his (laughs) freaking name. (laughs) But his name is Mike. I did that earlier, too. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, Bradley Whitford. Yeah, there you go. Right. Like, 40% of the times when I say Brad, I really mean Mike. Okay. So, yeah, Mike canceled the date earlier to the French restaurant, and that's where they're at now. That's why I was so confused. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I'm like... Yeah, Bradley Whitford is the actor's name, and there's a Brad character in here. Brad doesn't even have any money. He's a kid, remember? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I love this scene. It's really great. I mean, she gets to go off. She's got that just craziness going on. Do you have any idea what I've been through tonight? That was so good. And I like that Daryl gets his comeuppance against him. You know, even though it was just a story that was told in the car, it was pretty cool. We finally get to see Mike get what he deserves. And, but I swear, when she came in, he she said, oh, he's with Sesame Plexer. I was like, what kind of name is that? But maybe I just... Maybe Cecily? Ces- I yeah, mean, Cecily is a name. She looks old, too. Doesn't she look like she's in her... I don't know. She um she well to be good. honest i mean she looks about the same age as elizabeth shoe but the, the fact that she's wearing like you know this expensive ass dress and in the earrings you know i think just kind of uh, makes her look a little bit older but you know who knows i mean her character probably is older than uh chris because you gotta remember chris is 17 years old and so you know maybe that's what's going on um you know mike yeah mike not brad <laughs> uh mike <laughs> probably you know is with this other hussy you know because she is older um fair enough yeah so you know it's it's great you know uh the actual brad you know gets to stand up yet again uh for chris you know because he drops a few lines and this is you know we get more of mike being a douche and he humiliates uh humiliates humiliates chris you know yeah in public you know, and so that just puts the nail in the coffin there that this guy is no good and Chris should give other guys a chance. Well, during this whole entire thing, Sarah decided to take off to this stupid toy store. I mean, the toys look terrible. I don't even know why she got so excited, but it's just obviously a plot device. But uh, our sugar our, high. Yeah. Our bad guys find her. She takes off and she escapes. And so I. It took me years to understand how they were able to find her when they look at the elevator because I saw the floors. It wasn't until later in life that I realized from the cake she was eating, her fingerprints were on the buttons. I never caught that. I don't know why. I mean, it's clear as day, but I think it was. I was just too busy staring at all the buttons. I never looked at the ones that she pushed, and that's why I never understood. Well, how the hell did they know what floor she was on? Now it makes sense. Same. I was exactly the same way. For real? I always wondered, yeah, because I got, what wasn't there like pineapples and stuff or some kind of images on those buttons? That's what I was always distracted from. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. I, I was just like, how do they know which one to go to? And uh, it wasn't until my review that my guests, that they pointed it out. Like, oh, there was, you know, the uh, the smudge on, on the on the buttons. I go, I never caught that before. Yeah. So, Somebody mentioned that to me. I go back and watch it. I'm like, oh, there they are. So now I see them. But back then, seeing it hundreds of times, I still still missed it. So Yeah, it's just one of those things. You're just so focused on something else. You completely miss what they're actually trying to show you. 
Exactly. Uh, really fun scene. It, we kind of talked about it earlier about Sarah getting out the window, trying to get to her parents, which I don't know her thinking when she's like, Mom, Dad, I mean, what are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to come get you when you're outside the window? But, I mean, she's a kid. She's scared. I get it. But yeah. it's it just, I that's really, if I was going to have really any nitpicks of the movie, outside of the fun nitpick of the two gangs would totally kill them on the train, but the movie would be over, but it would be him just staring out the window and the parents are just oblivious and don't cause any normal person would be like, Oh, I wonder what they're looking at. And they would turn their head and look and then they see Sarah. But then of course the movie would be over. I get that. It's just, it's always bugged me and I just, I can't let it go. I don't know what it is. You know, I was just thinking, like, maybe a better approach if they did a remake was actually to take it seriously. You know, maybe instead of a, uh, a knife fight, Brad actually gets into, like, an altercation with one of the gang gang members. And maybe he does get stabbed. Maybe not somewhere, you know, like his organs or anything like that. But, uh, you know, make it a little bit more grounded. Maybe that might be the way to go. Yeah, could be. But hopefully... Um they won't ever make another, you know, another one. I think the TV one flops so bad that they're just going to leave this property alone. Let's hope well, so. Well, I think you and I should uh, approach YouTube with an idea. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great idea. So uh, after, it is funny though, and Tabby mentioned this to me the other day when she was watching it, that when Sarah is rescued and the way she says, oh, Brad, is kind of creepy. Do you remember how she says it? It's oh, yeah. Of- she says it in a loving way. Yeah. Yeah, a little too loving, <laughs> you know. But, you know, she just got rescued. So I could kind of understand it, but um, Tabby wasn't wrong. You know, I always kind of like, yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, a little bit. So, of course, Joe Gipp comes to the rescue. Um, they let the other guy hang outside. The main leader uh, gets punched in the face. He gets his magazine, and of course, has the iconic line of "You're right, babysitting is dangerous." And I love this. I like to say it's a montage. I mean, it's a mini one. It's not like a Karate Kid montage, if you will. But the whole getting home montage, the 25 miles being played. I mean, it's so iconic. It just when I think of this movie, there's multiple scenes that hit. But I think the getting home and cleaning up probably is the second scene that i think of when i think of this movie yeah you know it's uh it's it's fun you know it makes me want to eat burnt popcorn all the time uh, because i I feel like she's just wasting it (laughs) but uh, i I love popcorn but um yeah you know it it is a a brief montage i mean we're not going to spend like uh five minutes showing showing us uh, you know her cleaning the the whole house um but obviously you know we want her to hurry up and finish cleaning before the andersons get home it's true, and she does put nasty milk back in the fridge. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was but like, I sure hope they don't drink that. Her, she, she's focused on getting the house clean. There's going to be something that's a little out of whack. You know, yeah. they, they might even pull that out of the fridge and be like, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, kind of like uh, in Home Alone. How did Kevin clean up the entire house and then miss the one gold tooth? It's true. <laughs> it's a Christopher Columbus trope, I guess. It could be. So uh, they get away with it. Uh, She goes upstairs and they all basically say, hey, we're all great friends now. I won't ignore you. You know, thanks for the greatest night of my life. And 
I find it ironic that she leaves when she does because can you imagine when Dan shows up, had she not walked out that door and he goes and knocks on the door and says, hey, I have your kids skate, how the ending of the movie would have went? Yep, and I brought that up in my review the same way. Like, (laughs) It's 1 o'clock in the morning. What are you doing knocking on somebody's house saying, hey, um, your daughter was in my Jeep and uh, I'm bringing her her skate. (laughs) He'd He'd get punched in the face. Exactly. Like, what are you doing with my daughter? But by this point, I mean, you've gone around, you've gone along with the ride. So you might as well finish it, right? And yeah. it's, a, it's a great way to end the movie with the kiss. So, and I mean, and to bookend it with the song, the, you know, the, the, the iconic song, Then He Kissed Me. Exactly. So, yeah, it wraps up nicely. I was just thinking about, you know, how we're talking about Sarah here. What if they actually did a sequel where it's Sarah who hires a babysitter? You know, the hijinxes are similar, not exactly the same. That might be a kind of interesting take on a reboot. Oh, yeah. I take my money now. I'd be there opening (laughs) night to see that because Sarah is very enjoyable. So I would totally love to see that. Oh, can you imagine her now with like Thor and all that stuff being out? (sighs) Oh, my gosh. That is excellent. Maybe she's like, I want to go watch Avengers because, I mean, it's Disney, you know, so she could totally be like, you know, I want to go see my boy Thor in the new Avengers movie. And the whole purpose is them trying to go to Avengers and then something happens, you know, similar things happen, like the car, the tire blows out. She's like, I can't believe this is happening. And similar things happen that happened in part one. And she's like, I remember how we got out of this. Let's not do this and let's do this. And that would be fun. I mean, hey. They can take cl- uh, cues from Cobra Kai. Exactly. They taught I mean, you. yeah, Cobra Kai did exactly everything, you know, that, um, look, Cobra Kai is, I think right now, the blueprint for a successful reboot slash remake. I agree. Um, we're at a time right now where people are starting to figure it out. It, um, Fuller House, if you want to count that, I enjoy Fuller House. I don't care what people say. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, and... You know, there's just there's a lot of good ones out there, and so uh, I, I hope with the success of Cobra Kai, people may revisit some of these other properties and you know put a lot more uh, love into developing uh, you know new characters and stuff like that. And that's where Cobra Kai got it right. Well, Fuller, if it wasn't for Fuller House, there would be no Cobra Kai because seeing Kimmy Gibbler on a billboard is what got them to finally say, "Okay, we're going to do this. If she can come back, we can make this happen." So yeah, and Kimmy's actually one of the the best things about Fuller House too. Yeah, I can't stand that one kid though. They're the the smart kid. He's Max. so annoying. Yeah, Max, <laughs> he, he could totally yeah. be off the show, and I'd be okay with it. I think he's supposed to be that way, but <laughs> no, I I have my criticisms about him as well. And it was really weird for them to give him a love interest at such a young age. It's true. Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're caught up. But. No, I am. I oh, I'm okay. completely caught up. Yeah, and my daughter, my youngest, watches it over and over and over again. So. Well, sir, so what would you, since season or chapter two, we've changed the rating system. Uh, you know, it used to be one to five stars. So now I like to do the A through F minus or A plus through F minus because number one, you get a lot more choices in that than you do with the, you know, five stars. You can really play around. Uh, I mean, you know how it is. You've been listening to the show. So I really enjoy wait, wait, that. Wait. You're telling me I have to learn the alphabet now? It's true. Oh, <laughs> so geez, you didn't you didn't prep me for this, Mike. Where would you rate Adventures in Babysitting right now? A plus. Awesome. I would this give is, it the same. 
this is an A-plus movie. I mean, this is a quintessential 80s movie. Uh, it's got great music, fun characters, and a lot of flaws. That is an 80s movie. Exactly. Okay. So, <laughs> um, it is, it, okay. You know what? Maybe I'll take the plus back. I'll, I'm going to make this an A, because uh, an A-plus would be coming to America. You're right. Uh- one hundred percent agree. You're right. Has very little flaws. That was so. exactly. Yeah, that was one of the funnest episodes we ever did on STL. Was the Coming to America episode? So good. And it was my first appearance. Yes, so it was. You. Yes. Yep. Um, all right, sir. Well, that is it for our review of Adventures of Babysitting. Let's go ahead and get into the uh, emails and hear what the STL Nation had to say. So, sir, we got uh, we got some emails, so I'm excited. So, our first one, let me find it here, comes from Lisa the Legend. So, hey, Lisa, yeah, she says hi, Mike, Peter, and the Nation. I'm really happy to hear we're going back to Adventures in Babysitting. This is '80s at its peak. We were so blessed to get Elizabeth Shue in her teen years. This was a movie that you really didn't have to suspend much of your disbelief. Yes, there were some movie moments. Uh, but based in real 80s life. Babysitting was a big business in the 80s. I mean, that's that's 100% true right there. I have to give a few shout-outs for this movie. I have always been a big Keith Coogan fan. He is so talented. His timing, sarcasm, and teenage angst sold every bit in this movie. I love Brenda, and the little sister killed her role. We could not forget my favorite cameo, Vincent D'Onofrio. So young and not so much a blonde, but cute. I know y'all will kill it. And don't forget the soundtrack and the babysitting blues. Can't wait to listen, Lisa the Legend. So. Hey, yeah, thanks, Lisa. A lot of great nuggets that she dropped in there. Heck yeah. Um, look, I love Keith Coogan in this movie. Mr. Coogan, if you're listening, and best believe we're going to tag you when we post this episode. <laughs> Please, please reconsider and speak to uh, us about this role. And also, um, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. But um, Elizabeth Shue's great. But I, I got to correct Lisa on this, and I, I hate doing something like this. But she was actually like in her mid twenties when she made this movie. Oh, I know. She was man. just playing a teenager. Yeah, it's so good. Because remember, she was like, um, uh, how old was she in Karate Kid? Well, Karate, I mean, this was Karate three Kid years was before, so she was like twenty. I thought Maybe. that this was the year after. Am I wrong? Because this, all right, wait. This, this is movie, 87. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is 87, Karate Kids 84. So, yeah, you're right. Three years later. Yep. And I'm looking up now, and she was born 63. So, I can't do math. You're going to have to help me out here. Uh, uh, we're, okay, <laughs> it's 88 so, now. <laughs> okay, so wait. Hold on. Let me pull out my calculator. So, 19, all right, so 1988. No, no, no. 87. Oh, 87. I, I meant, I, yeah, my bad. Uh, all right, hold on. Let me, let me start over. This is great podcasting. All right. Yes. So 80, and then what year was she born? And, and then you carry the four. Yeah. No, so she, 1987 <laughs> minus 1963. Uh, that would be 24. Hey, we did it. Yes. The two of us. Good job. <laughs> How many podcasters does it take to do math? <laughs> yeah, two, evidently. Yeah. All right. And uh, our final email comes from Jameson Very Good Rabbit. This thought, I've heard of him. This hey. thought would be good. <laughs> Right off the bat, this is hilarious. He goes, hey, Peter, and special guest Mike. 
He's such a smart ass. Uh, finally, we are getting a decent STL discussion on Adventures in Baby City. <laughs> what a douche. Oh, man. Oh. See, and I purposely avoid, you know, reading reviews or not reviews, but emails because, well, you got emails, so I don't see them anyway, but <laughs> you want an organic reaction to this stuff. So It's true. This is my second favorite Thor movie. <laughs> I agree. Uh, right behind Ragnarok. Oh, yeah, there you go. It's a flick that seems so simple when you think about the plot of kids and their babysitter running around the big scary city and the people within it, going from one crazy adventure to the next. But it has such heart to it, a fun cast, and it still holds up, unlike that first STL episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, see, this is... Oh, I don't even know what to say, man. Off the mic, we're gonna have a conversation. That's what that's what it is. But I agree. Uh-oh. I agree with that. It's the whole purpose of this episode is because yeah. I I hate episode one. So I can't wait to hear both of your thoughts on this flick, Peter. I'm loving what you're doing with the Cobra Kai series. I'm looking forward to listening to each of those. Uh, we all have to get together for the review of the Coming to America sequel if the rumors are true about that. Mike, I think you need to consider the movies One Crazy Summer and UHF for future episodes. Put up a poll. Good luck, guys. Jameson. Thanks, Jameson, for all that. Um, to answer his question, I'm going to go with One Crazy Summer because I love me some uh, Demi Moore and John Cusack. Well, interesting. Have you seen that one? Interesting fact. This uh-huh. would fall into the uh, classic movies Masunas hasn't seen category. Both, ah. both movies, actually. Uh, I know UHF is that Weird Al Yankovic movie. Never, right. wa- never watched it. So it's okay. Yeah, we could easily put up a poll. I'm pretty sure One Crazy Summer would win because John Cusack. You know, he seems to mm-hmm. be STL staple. You know, of course, with Better Off Dead. So um, yeah, it's it's kooky too. So I mean, I, I think I think you'd like it. Awesome. Well, I will definitely put that poll up very soon. So, all right, sir, that is it for emails. Let's go ahead and roll into the music spotlight. I will play, breaking free, coming alive. I broke these chains, never be afraid to live my life. Break, breaking free, one last time, no matter what. So, sir, since you were gracious enough to help me redo episode one, thank you so much. I think you should have the music spotlight this time since you are my biggest supporter of the STL Underground Hour. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You've always been my biggest fan when it came to that show, especially when I wanted to kill the show. Uh, You were always there behind the scenes saying, don't worry about it. You'll get listeners or whatever. I'm enjoying it. It's awesome. Keep doing it. So, and now it's, I, I love that show so much. So, uh, thank you so much for all your support on that one. So, yeah, for sure, man. Uh, you know, thank you for the kind words. And, um, that's a lot of pressure actually having me decide because it's difficult because, um, 
just because we discussed, you know, the uh, the weekend, you know, doing the Michael Jackson cover. That's kind of where I was going with. I figured yeah. we, we'd go with that one so I could hear it finally. You say it's, you know, we're both in the covers. And if you say it's one of the greatest ones, I kind of got to hear it. So Okay. Okay. Well, how about how about we do a little cheat? Why don't you just open up the episode at some point with uh, Then He Kissed Me? Just so we can get both songs in there. Okay. Cool. <laughs> There we go. We're just gonna cheat, so we'll end it with a DD by the weekend. Okay, and then uh, yeah, because you know I I love my intros. They're they're always fun to create, and uh, I was you know of course by the time you listen to this episode, you would have already heard the intro. But in my mind, I'm already thinking, how am I gonna do the intro? What song am I gonna play? Because I'm I'm between 25 miles and then he kissed me. So. Uh, Maybe we'll cheat and get both in there. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I could definitely do that, sir. So thank you for the music recommendation. So uh, thanks, guys, for checking out the episode. Uh, Peter, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I have a, a couple different group pages, but, uh, you know, if, you know, Instagram or Twitter is your thing, you can find me at Podstalgic. Uh, but if you want to check out like all the contents that I produce, my group page, Podstalgic and Friends, I just, um, I just post episodes that I do. So, you know, this is also going to go in there. Uh, Cobra Kai, you know, I want to thank Jameson for checking out the, the coverage. Uh, that's on a podcast called TV Ate My Brain. Uh, but if you want to, <laughs> if you want to join, the new group that we just started it's huh, called this is w- the best w- best title ever i love it <laughs> www period <laughs> cobra kai period tv amb uh group so um i know mike you had some trouble finding it earlier yeah uh we'll see if anyone else does but again if you can't find the group uh just shoot me a tweet or something at Podstalgic, uh we'll we'll try to figure it out i i don't know if it's because it's a brand new group and there's Maybe something with the settings I got to change. I'm not sure. Yeah, just just put the link after we post the episode. Just put the link in the comment section of the group so people can join it. So Okay, for sure. I'll definitely do that. But yeah, that's where we're going to put all the Cobra Kai uh, episodes and any uh, interview I hope to get. Um, so we're just going to continue the conversations in there and just talk all things Cobra Kai. Perfect. I am looking forward to it. And uh, so when we get together next time, because we definitely got to make this not as long as we did, uh, you know, between chapter one and chapter two, we don't need chapter three and then you come on. Uh, So I think for the next one, we need to continue where we left off and do the Back to the Future part two commentary track, because I had a crap ton of fun on that first one. We had we had a blast on that one and that was kind of what kicked off my commentary tracks that I now do with Tabby. Uh, those seem to go really well and uh, I'm really interested to get into Back to the Future Part 2 because of uh, the whole Elizabeth Shoe thing. So I think that's what we should do next time. I have no idea when we'll do it but I, I can dig it. I think yeah. that would be super fun. So. I think we should, uh, we should shoe in uh, Elizabeth Shoe whenever we can. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, thank you. I'm here all week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good times. All right, guys. So if you want to write in, feel free to do so at stlpodcastgmail.com. Now, if you want to join the group, uh, there seems to be a lot of spammers going on. Uh, If you've seen my recent post for those who have been in there, I've recently added questions that require you to be answered if you want to join the group. My favorite one is that one that that guy posted. Uh, what is he? He's an STL sales representative. Is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, Mike, when did you hire somebody? I, I was dying laughing on that one. 
Uh, so good. So if you are not a spammer, you're a real person, please join the group at STL, uh, the STL Nation. Uh, you can find that in Facebook. And I think that'll be about it, man. So I'm going to throw up a poll for the next movie. Uh, we'll throw those two requests Jameson said. And then if you have any to add, feel free to do so, man. I'm going to leave it open to where, you know, people can add what they want. So you, if you come up with any crazy ideas, go ahead and throw them in there too. Sounds good. Perfect. All right, guys. So you have a good one. Thank you, Peter, for coming on, man. It was super fun. I appreciate you helping me. Oh, I appreciate you too, man. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun for sure. Awesome. Well, you guys have a good one. Take care. Masuna Sal. I know your every move, so won't you please let me be? I've been here times before, but I was too blind to see that you seduce every man this time you won't seduce me. She's saying that's okay. Hey, baby, do what you please. I am the star.